Good morning, everybody. How are things for you? Good, great, and holy, I hope. Um, we have guest Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Boone. Hi, Tina. Hi. <laughs> and um, Pastor Randy's going to be out, so I'm going to do the sermon today. And we're going to just keep moving along in a very good uh, fashion. And Boone's going to read the scriptures for my sermon. And Tina's going to say some prayers. And we are glad you are here and hope that you experience God's presence in our midst in a personal and powerful way.
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, We will now read the scripture for today that I have outlined in my sermon, not on the ones in the uh, pamphlet. Greetings, loved ones. Hey. Beloved, the first sharing, and I I realize it's not in your bulletin, uh, is Romans. And it's um, found in the 15th chapter, verses 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each of us please his neighbor for his good to edify him. Key word there being edify. In uh, Hebrews 10, there's, there's a three today. And Hebrews 10, 24. For Christ has entered not into a sanctuary made with hands, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now appear in the presence of God on our behalf. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And the final one, uh, 1 Corinthians. And this one, I'm going to start making comments on. I, I will be speaking to each of the verses and then uh, do a summary. So it's 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brethren, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The church in Corinth It's not well known how large it was, but it was growing, as churches were then, growing and becoming a threat. So it is well known that it was a very dangerous time to be a Christian in the early church. We also know that it's a dangerous time to be a Christian here and now. As I speak, there are Christians being slaughtered in other countries for being Christians for having a Bible. And that's, I think, the context for the edification, because Paul was very big on edification. And to be here and to be gathered as we are today is a blessing that other churches aren't enjoying right now, because they're being told they can't gather. and. I, for one, am so grateful that we've been able to gather these last few weeks and months. It means a lot. And one thing that jumped out at me is these gifts, you know, that were spoken of. These gifts, in the early church, there were two major meetings. Uh, One was very intimate, probably at someone's home. And at those meetings, they spoke in tongues. They healed each other. They performed miracles. 
they sang. And some people say they even got up and danced because that was going to carry them through the week, carry them through what they're about to face when they go out into the world. They were not going to let the world overcome them, and neither should we, in my opinion. One other area that really jumped out at me is from Acts 20. And Acts 20, I, I'm going to read this. It's not part of the scripture, so, but I'm, but I, uh, I'm taking some liberty. There were many lights in the upper chamber where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. He sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. I don't know why I'm smiling about that, because it has a... The story has a happy ending. But Paul went down, bent over him, and embracing him said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, to be conversed with them a long while until daybreak. So back then, these services, and they had services as we do with large gatherings. Paul spoke, it started around 9 o'clock at night, went well after midnight, and this Eutychus was raised from the dead. And to me, that is the ultimate edification. Because edification means building up from the ground or rising. And how can you beat that? Can you imagine a service? No, we're on the ground floor here, and I'm grateful for that, because I'd be that person that would probably fall out of the bell tower. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> but I can't get hurt here. But there... They were meeting in this upper room, and there was a miracle. And that was not uncommon in the early church. It was almost expected. It was almost anticipated. And this young man who fell asleep, probably because, you know, it was a three-plus-hour sermon, was raised from the dead. And that took place in Troas. It's a seaport. And Paul left that seaport to go to Europe to spread the gospel. And one thing about Paul that always intrigued me, and according to some texts, the first thing he'd ask when he went to visit a church is, where's the jail and what's it like? Not, where's a good hotel? Where's a good place to eat? The kind of questions I'd probably ask. Can you recommend a place to stay? Well, Paul knew where he was going to stay because he knew he was going to get arrested and he knew he was going to end up in jail just for being a Christian. So he wanted to know, if I have a choice, uh, what jail should I pick? That's the mindset. That is, to me, amazing that he still had the courage and still had the means and became one of the most effective people. In the Bible, after persecuting Christians, and I kind of wish some of our opposition would take up the same kind of... <laughs> It'd be great some of these people that are going to persecute us would become Christians. And through God, that could happen. Pray, pray, pray. Pray. So moving on to the next... Uh, that, that's the Corinthians uh, reading. And, and I'm going to take these one at a time. Uh, and I think what I'll do is I'll move on to Hebrews. And again, Hebrews 
saints should, con this isn't the, I can read it again if you want. Uh, if it was me, I wouldn't remember what I just said, and I said it, so if you want me to read it again, I, I certainly can do that. But uh, saints sh should consider one another as men, but they are not men. They are of like passions and infirmities. They should consider their different tempers and make allowances for them. And their outward state and condition in the world, they should consider one another as saints. And all conceived and brought forth in the womb of God's eternal electing grace, interested in the same covenant, redeemed by the same blood, and have the same graces and privileges and an equal right to glory, having one and the same spirit, the same grace of faith, the same righteousness, the same fountain to wash in, the same fullness to partake of, the same throne of grace to go to, and the same inheritance to enjoy. They should consider one another as church members, the grace and gifts of the other, their different age and standing in the church, their relation to each other as brethren. They should consider them under suffering or sorrowful circumstances, under afflictions, temptations, desertions, declensions, and as attended with infirmities and sins. And the end of such consideration should be to provoke unto love, to Christian love, to stir it up, to stir it up, which is apt to wax cold. Stir it up is another way in Hebrews that they said, stir it up. That's a song, by the way. I kind of like that song. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, darn. <laughs> it's uh, important that we stir things up because that's how we edify each other. One way. And I'm going to move on to the last one here. And that, that was um, he, Romans 15, 1 through 6. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their own good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, one voice, you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans and Paul's letters to these are all, in my opinion, again, based on us using our talents. I'm trying to stretch. I'm just going to share this. I typically do music in churches and have been for many years. And I may again someday, but I decided I was called. And I'm pointing over there for a reason. I'm here. Yeah. I've known Mike over 15 years, I think. First met singing at a karaoke place, and he gave it his testimony. And that was way out west in Mound, where 
I spend a lot of time. I bring that up for a reason. I, I wasn't planning to say this, but this is off the cuff. We all have gifts. Mike's gift is he will testify unabashedly, will not be shy about it. I've seen it. I've tried it. It doesn't work when I do that. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop trying. When I say it doesn't work, I don't get the same effect. And that's a gift, being able to testify, being able to bring people to a church being able to share and bring that kind of joy. And I was a Christian when I met Mike, so it's not that I was converted from, you know, worshiping Baal or something like that, or Baal, it wasn't like that. I was a church-going person, but I needed a spiritual awakening. Everyone here has a gift. Your gifts are so clear, <laughs> so evident, music. And being a musician, I, I'm always, always moved with your music. Now, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, because in the early church, when they had these intimate gatherings, they did all these spiritual speaking in tongues, spiritual healing, spiritual gifts, interpreting the tongues. Because otherwise, it's just, it just seems like gibberish. And then somebody would say, here's what this person just said. And those gifts, we all have gifts. And I'm trying to stretch, just to speak about myself for a second, into another gift, hopefully. And I would like to do a prison ministry. I would like to, when this whole COVID thing is over, I've been looking into it and apparently there's not a lot of opportunity out there because of COVID. Um, I, I'm called to do that. And I have done that in the past and I wanna work on that. But I wanna read 1 Corinthians 13, which is the predecessor to the Corinthians we read where use your gifts. If I had the gift of being able to speak in other languages with not learning them and could speak every language there is in all of heaven and earth, but didn't have and didn't love others, I would only be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what was going to happen in the future and knew everything about everything but didn't have love for others, what good would it do? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything to the poor and if I were burned alive preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, 
You will be loyal to them no matter what the cost. You will always believe in them, always expect the best of them, and always stand your ground in defending them. And all the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. There are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, say it with me, love. It's good to remember that. It's good to remember these times we live in. It's possible, and I've talked to some of my friends about this, that someday we are going to be persecuted. Yep. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, because I don't have the gift of prophecy. That's not my thing. However, we have to be prepared because it's not far from starting to happen. And limiting people wanting to go to church, to me, is unconscionable in a country that was founded on freedom of religion. Unbelievable. And I could do a whole 10 more minutes on that, and I won't today, maybe some other time. We are a covenant church. We are a covenant nation. We've been promised, and as a result, we make a promise. We are going to need each other more than ever. And I couldn't think of a better group that I want to get through this, because that's what the meetings in the early church were all about, because they were in deep persecution. They were being killed. They were being martyred. And as we speak, as I mentioned, in other countries right now, as I speak, people are being killed for being Christian. And it could happen here. It could happen here. And if it does, we're going to need each other. And God bless you. I have an inclination right now, and then I'm wrapping up. There's this uh, phrase or word out there, being woke. Have you heard this? Being woke. That means you're awakened to the insensitivity, awakened to... Uh, systemic racism and, I, and I'm not against any of that I'm not here to say that's bad but there's a different kind of woke and it goes like this woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus yeah I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm free, praise God, I'm free. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with that. I just hit me out of the blue. Good morning again, brothers and sisters. My sermon today is going to be on edification. The literal definition of edification is to build up or instruct spiritually. Another part of that definition is build up from the ground. You know, we may not be able to define our own or others' level of spiritual development, but we can be always sure it is better to build than it is to take down or destroy especially when you do it in the name of the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ.
Building up and instructing spiritually towards God lifts the word from a Christian perspective excellently. Edification is much more than just encouragement. The word is, is inherent. It belongs in all activities of the Christian church. Edification takes place both individually and corporately. You do it individually when you study your, your Bible, read your Bible, study your Bible. You sing maybe a hymn, you hum a hymn. Or you, or you actually do something for others. Not for your own edification. Not so people say, oh, you're such a nice person. No, that is not why a Christian does things or should do things. They should do things to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ and Father God. And we can edify ourselves corporately or as a corporation. We're doing that now. We're in a church. When you, maybe you run into somebody at the store and you share a good, encouraging word with them. That's personal level. That's at the personal level. We should all be at the personal level with our edification of Jesus Christ. We're all going to the same place. We're all in one family. Why not treat each other like that? And also, edification towards Christ comes from only genuine activities that promote Christ and his character. It's not a product that slaps on the word Christian so it sells and to increase its audience. Only true Christian activities that are right down in the word and with Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, so true edification seed. The secular world, world all around us, obviously, tries to tear down our spiritual morals, our Christian standards. They'll say, oh, that stuff's outdated. It's so yesterday. But that's not it. They don't get it because they don't have it. Take heart. We do not stand alone against this consistent assault. We do not just have to simply absorb these insults and these downgrades from these consistent anti-Christian bulls from the world. Only true Christian activities sow true edification seeds. The Lord blessed us. This brings me to this point. The Lord has blessed us with an impenetrable, indestructible defense against this, the Holy Spirit. That is the very reason why Jesus died on the cross, so that we could have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And these insults and these downgrades, boing, if I can use an old frame, <laughs> bounce off us like rubber. I am rubber when it comes to anti-Christian. I'll just call it propaganda, because that's what it is. That topic, downplay of Christianity by the media and whatever is, whole different sermon. I don't have to get into that. As I mentioned, edification's purpose, the purpose of education is to strengthen us and to grow us up as Christians. I'll say it this way. We're on the Jesus tree. We're all leaves on the Jesus tree as Christians. And edification is down in the soil watering us. As we build up our spiritual selves and sharpen our ability to discern and tell what is spiritually offensive and avoid it, hopefully. <laughs> we should share our victories with others for their edification, for their uplifting. We don't just say, oh, 
Oh, that's really neat. Thank you, God. And scurry off. No, 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 no. Share. When God does something good for you, don't keep it to yourself. Why should you? Spread the good news and a good word about how the Lord is real and better yet, how he's active. We think, oh, well, we should, I'll share my mistakes so other people don't repeat the same mistakes I made and cause the same discomfort and pain. No, that is not all there is. We can't, we're, we're not just here to share our mistakes and to warn people to forbear, for, for, forbear them. Don't do that, it'll hurt either emotionally or physically, it doesn't matter. When God does something good for us, it is our duty, it is our liability to God to share the good news with others. Who are we lifting up? Certainly not ourselves. We have no business doing that. We should point up and say, you know what? He's got this, because he does. The School of Hard Knocks is effective education education for others, but isn't it better to graduate from the school of edified discernment? <laughs> it is certainly less painful, I'll tell you that. Don't ever doubt your ability to encourage. Don't ever doubt your, the strength of your faith when you're sharing. You say, well, I'm alone and I really shouldn't be doing this right now because I'm embarrassed. No, 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 no. When are you alone? When is the Holy Spirit not in you? When is Jesus not right by your side? Never. He's always there. He's always got his metaphorical hands wrapped you in a hug. And you don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. You don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit in your, in your soul. Unless we use those motives for doing something contrary to his words, our type, whatever edification you're giving, it can't be wrong. It's based on Jesus Christ and your prayers, the Holy Spirit. Why should you feel uncomfortable? You should be bold. You should be the first one to raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm not just serving that person. I'm serving him. Because he's got this. There is all the more reason we should pray for discernment and the proper, I don't know if kind is the right word, but the proper level of edification. For instance, read Romans 15, chapter 15, and go just to 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each place, please his neighbor for his good and to edify them. Like I said, your Christianity, that's the way to go. That is the thing to be. That is what makes God smile when he looks down on his sons and daughters. But if you don't spread it, what good does it do? Well, well this happened good to me, but I'm not going to tell anybody. No. That is selfish. That is self-centered. It's not evil, but it comes pretty close. If you're helping somebody in a good way, you are automatically edifying them and not causing them any kind of harm. I'll use this example. It's hypothetical, of course, but say you're driving along and you see somebody's car stuck off the road. 
You're like, Psh, that stinks. He's going to be there for a long time. His tires are buried. So you get out of the car, and you go to help him. And you push and push and push with all your might. And the car slides down further into the mud. The first thing you think is, oh, now I've done it. I didn't help them. Wait a minute. What if the next car that goes by can now see that vehicle? And they stop. They help assist you. You do, do it and get the car out of the mud. So what you thought was you not really doing anything? Bore fruit. It poured big fruit. That car got unstuck and that person went on their way. And all the better if you had told them and shared with them. Before you even pushed the car when you stopped, if you got out and said, you know what? Your car is not going to be stuck here forever. You're not going to be here past dinner. If you would have edified them and let them know and see the bright side of their predicament, they would have then shared the faith. Oh, you know what? My car will get unstuck. Thank you. And you know what? It was. It's a win for, for them because you got to encourage them and cause their car to get unstuck, which is a good thing. But it's also a win for them because you shared a good, encouraging word. And you let them know, this isn't forever. Don't worry about it. We got this. No, not we. He's got this. Here's a verse that fits my edification sermon perfectly. Birth, birth. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, edify, just as you are doing. Edification for others take a multitude, almost a countless amount of forms. An example of this is sharing your testimony. I've already covered why you should share your testimony. Because if you covered your Christian bush, it's not going to grow and bear fruit. Period. But you, had, you have a testimony because God did something for you. Which is great because you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. But your job now, your responsibility, what you'll be held accountable for by God, is to share it with others. I can't think of any time in the past 17 years I've been too shy to share my testimony. You know why? Because I, I, I only lived it, and that's good, but you know what? Other people need to hear it. They need to hear that God is alive, that God loves them, and most importantly almost, God is there. When you're at your worst, when you're at your saddest, when you've filled your hands with your tears, look up, because he's got this. The message you, you spread is for them now, just as much as it was for you. Because you know what? They're encouraged by it. They're edified by hearing about it. So you may share that with others. Many times people have recognized me. They don't say, oh, Mike, hi. They recognize my face. Oh, and they say, oh, I knew you from Target. You're a cashier. Great, yeah. Do I get the, that makes me proud? When people recognize me, when I start telling my story, and they say, you know what, I've heard it. That is my job. I've died four times. I flew 62 feet after being hit by a van while I was riding my bike. I weighed 175 pounds. They had to do CPR to get me in the ambulance. Then when I got to the hospital, 
that had to defibrillate Mart three times. I had a broken back, a traumatic brain injury, and a compound fracture of my ankle. Six weeks come, six and a half months in the hospital. I left in a wheelchair. At 33 years old, I had to relearn to walk, talk, read, eat, drive, starting over just like a baby at 33. You know what? Four years ago, I married to my beautiful wife. I've held the job for over 10 years, and I'm driving without any restrictions on my driver's license. It's not me. He's got this. He's got me. He's got you. Build each other up and share your testimony. It's not, it's not only a nice thing to do. When you get up to heaven, you're not going to be, oh, well, you did this, that, and this, and you stole your grandma's cookie from your grandma's cookie jar, and you told a lie to your mom and dad. There won't be any of that. Thankfully, because of Jesus Christ, when you get to heaven, do you know what you're going to hit here? Oh, you know what? Here's something because you testified in my name at this date. Because you returned this thing that you found on the, on the sidewalk to this person. Because you helped this person get their car unstuck. <laughs> there won't be any regret. There won't be any shame. There won't be any there won't be any sadness. When you get to heaven, what you're accountable for is what you've done good in his name. He's not going to yell at you because you didn't. Sometimes I wish he could yell at me, but he does that metaphorically. But you know what? He's not holding anything you've done ever in your entire life on this green earth. You are not held against He's not going to hold what you did or lied against you. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he sees only his son. Isn't that a beautiful, majestic thought that Jesus did that for you? It is for me. Sharing my testimony motivates and allows me to occasionally see the results of my words. You know, I've I've been, I've been at work, and somebody come up and said, you know, Mike, I was really down when you shared your testimony with me. I, I really thought I was near or at the end of my rope. But when I heard you tell me your story, I thought, ah, I don't have it so bad. I went in a different direction, and now I'm better. Thank you for sharing that story. And I had a, a mom uh, a couple months months ago come up and tell me, you know, Mike, you made a big difference in the life of my 14-year-old. I didn't quite understand what, what she was getting at. She said, you know what, Mike, you told your testimony. And my kid, my kid just told me the other day, he changed the way he looks at everything. Again, he's got this. Don't worry. Another good use for the church body that we're involved in that's related to edification is accountability. Now, I'm not talking about accountability for personal sins. I'm talking about accountability that increase edification of others. It specifically sees us when he gives your heavenly rewards that you earned when you're alive here on this earth. Let's consider Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider how to stir up another 
to love and good works. Hard to edify. Let us consider how to edify. It doesn't say that, but that's what it means. As the Lord returns draw near and closer to us, the urgency and relevance of our sharing him with others is magnified by a zillion times. I don't know if there is a number a zillion, but I'm going to use it anyway. A zillion times. When you share your story, if you have testimony, or you encourage somebody, do you know what you're doing? If you point to him, you might be keeping that person's company when we're all translated back up into heaven. You don't know. Maybe they're not a Christian. Maybe they're a so-so Christian. But when you have good words, edified with the words in life of Jesus Christ in them, they may just join you when we're raptured up. God may be using your channel. Always remember this. I came up with this. I kind of like it. Probably because I came up with it. But God may be using your channel to allow others to tune into him. Not tune into you, but just say your channel. You're, you're a channel on a, on a TV or, or the radio station. God's going to use you when that needle falls onto your number at the time you share. So he might be using your channel and you to allow others to tune into him. It's our obligation and duty to exhibit and portray, portray these traits and characteristics of Christ-likeness and godliness, godliness for the sake of and to others. We're not just banging a gong. Yeah, listen, hear this. No, you're saving that person from hell. Don't take it lightly and don't dismiss it. Of course, we do fail at performing our, our Christ portrayal for ourselves and for the sake of others perfectly or all the time. And that's another reason why we need Jesus in our life. He not only covers the sins that we do, but he's got us covered. He's got this. When God says, you know, maybe you should ask that person what's wrong. Maybe you should ask that person if they need a dollar. And you don't do it? My goodness. Lord Jesus Christ has covered that too. God tapped you on the shoulder and said, why don't you do this? And you went the other direction. Not realizing that it was God. All the more reason and cause for us to pray for this deed, not just... How can I say it? Sorry, I'm not reading. Discernment. There it is. But I didn't think of it when I was laying in bed. Saying, oh, that's the word I wanted to get this morning. No, I got it now. Discernment. Let's talk about regret for just a moment. There's, we all probably have a large pile of regret. And you know what? It stinks. It's not just in the way it stinks. What's your biggest regret? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be to raise your hand and come up and tell me. What I want you to do is consider my biggest regrets. My biggest regret is that God has tapped me on the shoulder. I went the other way. I shouldn't have. All the more reason to pray for discernment and edification. Here's the last Bible verse I'm going to mention in my sermon. It's on the importance of edification. That includes those of us here in church. 1 Corinthians 14.26 What then, brethren, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, or an interpretation. You've always got something good to share, even if you don't think of it right off the bat. 
It's okay. You've got an encouraging word. You've got a spare dollar. You've got a cell phone to point their directions or call them for help for them. Even if you don't know what to do or say, the spirit inside you always does. This verse speaks especially when we're within the confines of church or you, to you as a Christian. When I say church, I don't mean the building. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle or amongst them, however you want to word it. If you ever think, you know, I've read my Bible today, I've said my prayer, I'm done now for this stuff today. No, you're not done, ever. You can't ever be too close to God. He died for you. He shed blood for you. He died of pulmonary edema and being nailed to a cross. His, his lungs filled up with fluid. It was torturous. The most extreme, torturous way the Romans could feel to kill somebody is what he did. He didn't do it for him and his father. He did it for you in particular. You as a person. He's God. He said, oh, you know what? What can I do for my, my, my brother and my sisters? That is the length he went to. So if you ever, if you ever do, God forbid, think you are too close or close enough to God, you are wrong. I borrowed that from boot camp. <laughs> when I was in boot camp, if you ever had a little extra crease on your, on your bed after you made it, or maybe a button unbuttoned, or a scuff on your shoe after you polished it, the drill instructor would be, you're wrong! I've heard that more than a few times. Not to me, I just heard other people. <laughs> you can never get too close or intimate with God through Jesus Christ. That can and will never happen. Amen and hallelujah. For a further study on this word, edification, I would recommend doing what I did. Would you simply type in Bible meaning edification into your search engine and see all the places where it's listed in the Bible. It's fascinating, and it's a good read. Thank you very much. Have a glorious day. Thank you, Mike. Uh, now let us uh, pray in unison the offertory prayer in your bulletin. God of power and glory, we come to your altar this morning, offering our gifts and praying for your presence in a world that is hurting and divided. Much of what we see is chaos, confusion, and anxiety. A world that desperately needs to glimpse a glimpse of your presence and your glory. More than just our gifts of money, we pray our lives might be a window into your love and compassion. We pray your light might shine through us to the world. Amen. Amen. Everyone, please stand. We're going to sing doxology. Praise God from all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him upon the heavenly home. Praise Father, Son.
We're gonna, is there any announcements today? Does anybody have an announcement? Yeah, trustee meeting. We're, everybody's invited though, it's not just for a select group of people. Everybody's invited to our trustee meeting. Yeah, email. For his birthday. Amiel, yes. Amiel. Yeah. So keep that in mind too. It's in the very back of the back page of the bulletin. Um, I just I want to thank you guys for being here and I want to thank the two people for listening. And I just want to say an ending prayer. Thanks for the offering and also Lord knows we need it. Thank you, hon. Just remember, no matter how bad you get it, how bad things look, they're always going to look good, bad on TV, but you know what? He's got this. Bless you, brothers and sisters. Have a glorious week.